Thanks for being a part of the Fearless Army. Drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and when you do, ask me a question in the comments. Each week, we'll compile your best questions and answer them on air. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I'm Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Wednesday. Awesome show planned for you today. Uh, we got a three-headed monster today. Warren Sapp, Brett Favre, and Steve Kim. Warren Sapp, Brett Favre, and Steve Kim. A three-headed monster. It's going to be a terrific, awesome show. I need you guys to help me fight the algorithm. Start pounding that like button. Start hitting the subscribe button. Start hitting the notifications. Get in the comments. Leave a comment about this show. Uh, get in the chat. I'll be there in the chat, uh, bouncing ideas and going back and forth with you. Uh, do all that. Then if you're listening over Apple, uh, as I've told you guys, we got spam by one-star reviews, people trying to legitimately or trying to hurt uh, the algorithm of this show. I need you guys to spam them back and give us the five-star review. They reduced our ratings from a 4.9 to a 4.8. You can help me by doing this little thing, by hitting that five-star review and giving us that five-star review, and then writing a comment, writing a review on the Apple deal. That's how we fight the algorithm. I need you guys uh, doing that. Uh, <clears throat> before, Warren Sapp's gonna join us first. Before we do that, I wanna talk to you guys uh, a little bit about uh, one of the things, one of the main things that inspires us every day, and it's preborn. According to a recent study of hundreds of post-abortive women, 60% of those women reported they would have preferred to give birth. They did not want to have an abortion. Had they been properly supported, they would have made a different choice. That's where preborn steps in, and that's where we step up as fearless soldiers. We believe we know that life begins at conception. No organization uh, supports that worldview better than preborn. It's part of our fearless mindset. It's part of our fearless mission to support preborn. Preborn provides women with ultrasounds that introduce that baby to the expectant mother, introduces the heartbeat, image of the baby. Then the woman is twice as likely to choose life. That's when preborn really steps up and starts providing her the support she needs to get through that pregnancy and the first two years of that baby's life outside the womb. Whether you give $28 or $28,000, it all adds up. It all goes to pay for ultrasounds. It all goes to pay for supporting that expectant mother. This money is not blown on mid-level executives. It's spent on helping an expectant mother bring that child into the world healthy, happy, and with a great opportunity and a great chance to impact the rest of us. Who knows, that child may uh, cure cancer. That child may cure all this secular wokeism that we got going on. That child might be the leader that we need to snap us out of this. That's why as fearless soldiers, we do two things. We either hit pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's one way to give. Or we go to preborn.com slash fearless. That's preborn.com slash fearless. And we give that way. Doesn't matter whether you get $5 or $5,000. It all adds up. It's all part of being a fearless soldier. 
do the right thing, support preborn, and then send me an email when you do at fearlessblazeshow at gmail.com. Preborn. My reason for waking up every day. My reason to do a great show. My reason to have Warren Sapp and Steve Kim and Brett Favre on today's show. You got support preborn. Without further ado, uh, let's roll out to the Charles Barkley of football, uh, one of the greatest uh, players in NFL history. And he might be even better talking about football than he is playing about football. Is that is that an insult? Is that is that if, not even a little are bit. you offended by that thought? Not even a little bit. However yeah. you want to call it, just I, make sure you call it. Just, just make sure you call it. That's it. I mean, football, dancing yeah. with the star. Whatever you want it to be, make it your scenario, and I'll see if I can fit the mold. <laughs> All right, well, uh, I think he's as good talking about football as he was playing football, and he was really good playing football. Warren, uh, scoring <clears throat> across the National Football League is down significantly. Uh, I'm reading here from the AP, the 20.6 points per game scored by offenses so far this season are the second fewest in the first six <laughs> weeks over the last 10 seasons. 88.2 passer rating, second lowest in the last 10 years. The 5.2 yards per play, the lowest through six weeks uh, since 2006. I started pointing this out this weekend. I was like, man, there's only going to be two teams to score more than 26 points. Only two teams scored four touchdowns this weekend. You go back. Two weeks ago, I think six teams <laughs> didn't score a touchdown at all. Do you have a theory on why offenses seem to be struggling? They don't want to work. They don't want to practice. It's that simple. I mean, you go to an NFL training camp, and you're almost like the old uh, Wendy's commercial. Where's the beef? I ain't, no, ain't nothing going on around here. I mean, where's the beef? Where's the work being done? Where's the one-on-one? Where's the, you know, after practice, jugs, machines, the different things that, you know, we put in during a week of work to go out and showcase our talent. It's just not being done right now in the National Football League. And across the board, they don't practice. It doesn't matter where it is. I mean, I went to Tampa this week for ice uh, creamsicle day. Looked like creamsicle week. Looked like the old bucks back there, back in the McKay days where he was talking about his execution of his team. Yes, he was all in favor of it. So, yeah. And I talked to my man on the way out because I snuck by and, you know, got me some of them goodies that they had, you know, the old buck stuff. You know, they changed it around. You know, they switched the logo on us because the old logo had the earring in the right ear. So, our owners heard me yelling and <laughs> mention about it all those years. When they came out with the new version, he had the earring in the other ear. I'm like, wait a minute, man. I said, Brooks, am I crazy? Brooks said, nah, bad. He changed it. I said, okay, all right. So I talked to my man on the way out the door for the Bucks, and he was like, we practiced like shit. We played like shit. I was like, there it is. I, that, that. Whenever we had a good week of work, we knew we had a game that we can put out there for the world to see and to display what me, Brooks Lynch, Rondé, Simeon, and all of us worked on all week long. Because if, if we didn't work at it, there's no way we was going to go play that defense. I remember the week when we played the Steelers in a run team. We talk about big boy pads on Wednesday. Because we got to go out here and we got to hit, we got to work. And when Larry Allen was coming one time, we had a short week. Tony Dungy came in there and said, we're going to have shells on all week. I stood up and said, the hell we are. 
You're not sending me to see Larry Allen with no high pass, no work, no weekend working pass. The whole team looked at me and they said, "Yeah, we can't argue. Shot want to put his pads on. <laughs> go put his pads on. No, we no, we're going to work. You gotta go to work. No. And and I contend, but maybe you disagree that offenses need practice probably even more than defenses, and that's why the offenses are just getting their butts kicked right now. And I tell people this, the fastest adapting organism on the face of God's green earth is the NFL defense. We've seen it all. We've seen the the wildcat when Ronnie Brown came out and bashed Bill Ch- Belichick upside the head and looked like he didn't know how to coach defense anymore. We, we we got Lamar Jackson that was a unanimous MVP playing 11 on 11 football. Where's your new wrinkle? We've seen Philly Philly. Where's your new wrinkle? There's no no wrinkles. You, you, you just got to execute it. And we look at Lamar Jackson a week ago, three touchdown passes dropped, eight passes total in a game, and they have gloves that stop the ball from rotating. I, I don't get it. You got – you don't have to worry about getting hit. <laughs> you still dropping the ball? <laughs> it was no rule. You might well catch it because you go get hit. <laughs> That's why it was called a bang eight. <laughs> when the ball came, it goes bang. So, man, they got all the advantages, and they still don't want to do the work. And they're getting paid two kings ransom. Not one, two kings ransom. Is it fixable? They got to make them work. They got to make them practice. Just like the NBA just implementing a participation uh, rule in the NBA, you got to practice. You got to practice. But you know why they're not practicing with lock? They, Safety they, 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 concerns? They, what? Oh, yeah, that's it. But you'll throw a guy out of the game for hitting a guy in the head in, in London in the first quarter of the Jacksonville Bills game. Throw him out of the game. Huh? You know, it's a fast game being played by fast men, and you can't lead with your shoulder without this being in front of your shoulder. I mean, just show me that 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 how you want that tackle to go down. Well, I lead with my shoulder and my head's not in it. Just I just want you to demonstrate it for me, rules commission. That's it. Tom Brady... Another all-time great. He'll be joining you guys uh, in the Hall of Fame very soon. Uh, Mm -hmm. Been a bit critical of officiating and (laughs) also said that, uh, you know, they're going to turn this thing into flag football. Here, I want to play this clip and Mm. get your reaction to uh, Tom Brady. You know, last night in that particular, because it's so obvious and because it's at the end of the game, you know, everyone wants it called. And you'd always love the refs to get it right. They don't always get it right. Um. You know, they, they mess up too, just like we as players mess up. So I don't think you always blame the refs. I don't think, you know, you can always let the refs off. I mean, there's always probably a middle ground in all of it that you're hoping over the course of the season, you know, they, they balance themselves out. And maybe you're on the positive end of one of those calls, um, you know. At, and then they have instant replay for other calls that they've tried to implement over a long period of time where they're certain <laughs> to get it right. Because it's not like Wimbledon, you know, where – Mm-hmm. basically refs are meaningless now because they got the tracker and it's, you know, there's so many different violations in football. I would actually like to see less violations called, you know, focus on the important ones and let some other things go. I saw DK Metcalf got penalized for unnecessary roughness. He's, you know, it was, I don't know whether it's unnecessary or not, but all I know is the defenders got, 
every right to, you know, push back on DK, but he doesn't do it. So DK throws him on the ground. They throw a flag. I'm like, I don't understand what the flag is. This is football. This is not, yeah. this is not, you know, this is not, you know, this isn't touch football. This is real football. And I think the physicality, which people really enjoy, I certainly enjoyed. I, I love that physical element of the sport. I don't think we should ever lose that. And I think that we are, you know, there's so many people that are, you know, want it less and less physical. It's a, it's, it's more like flag football, which is going to be in the Olympics and, 2028 you know which maybe football goes to flag football over a period of time and i don't think fans will like that that much then everyone should stop bitching about you know unnecessary roughness calls that's why i want mm. that focus on the quarterback focus on all them hits that the quarterback ain't taking that you used to take tom and elway and phil sims and you know troy aikman in the bounty bowl got their ass kicked you know you you knew your quarterback was a tough guy you knew your quarterback was staying there and, you know, throw the ball when the when the blitzer was coming right out, right down the pipe. That's not the NFL we live in anymore, Tom. So welcome to us old guys that used to, you know, th- reminisce about the old days. Welcome, Tom. <laughs> We've been waiting on you, baby. You know, went back to work a couple times, won the second Super Bowl for my Bucks. We know we love you, but... Hey, welcome to the what it used to be like looking at the NFL league with the rest of us old guys. <laughs> That's all it is now. I mean, I remember that one time Tom was running around in the pocket and I think it was Sean Merriam or one of them guys hit him from the blind side. You, you thought Tom Brady's teeth came out of his mouth. But oh no, Tom Terrific went right back in that thing. Tom Tough Guy, I mean... That's when you knew. That's when a quarterback got value and, and love from his teammates when you stuck your nose in there. And the ones like Matt Ryan that slid in the red zone, we went, eh, we, we, we're not fighting for him. I, I, Tom is right. Tom is right. So but. a lot of people miss that about Tom Brady because there were he got hit in the knee and they changed the rule about hitting quarterbacks low in the knee. And so – and Brady – you know, playing the game and being a competitor, they started changing the rules and he adapted and started looking for those calls. But I remember the first five to seven years of Tom Brady when he didn't have the super amazing stats. But I remember writing at the time like, no, I think y'all missing what makes Tom Brady great. There's been two quarterbacks that I thought, and the first one didn't make the Hall of Fame. But, but, Phil Simms was one of the toughest guys in yes. the pocket that ever played in the NFL. He yes. would take the hit to deliver the ball downfield. Yes. Yes. Tom Brady, if you go look at his film, he was that guy. He would take the hit to deliver the ball downfield. They, they've totally eliminated that now. I, I can't name one quarterback that I'd say, oh, yeah, that's a guy that's really tough in the pocket and willing to take. <laughs> and so I can't think of one guy. They don't, they're not asked to do it, and so no one does it. I want you to look through the league and look at the middle linebackers and tell me what do you see. Tell me what next you week. see. Next week. Next week. <laughs> you got to go look. Check, I've, I've already looked. It's a milk check going on, as as uh, Stuart Swagger explained to me what Josh Allen was saying. <laughs> you ever heard the milk check by Josh Allen? No. Josh Allen says whenever he lines up and he looks in the secondary and there's a white guy back there, he's finna do a milk check. Uh-huh. 
<laughs> Unbelievable. My, my dude Stuart Swagger called me in a fevered pitch. Warren, this Josh Allen is going too far. I say, Swag, what's up, baby? He's talking about a milk check. I'll milk check him, you know, because he's in the back end for me in Oakland. I said, well, what are you talking about, a milk check? He's making a comment that, you know, white guys don't supposed to be in that position, so he wants to do a milk check. I said, well, that, you know, Jason Seahorn's the only all-pro Pro Bowl corner that never made either team, you know. It's just one of those things that just that mythical thing out there is when you have that unicorn in the secondary, you know. I had one at Lynch, but – Lynch was a hitter. You know, I had to worry about him talking about, you know, he's speed and cover guy and that. Lynch knew what his strength was. So hold on, hold on. I just want to make sure I'm understanding. You, Josh Allen, the Buffalo Bills quarterback, is that who we're talking about? Yes, we are. So if he spots a white middle linebacker. No, a white DB. He thinks. I told you to go check the middle linebacker position, you know. Then, then I explained to you why I told you to go do that because that's what I'm seeing. What are you saying? Le- m- m- more or less milk at the middle linebacker position? More. More milk. A lot of milk. Huh. A lot of milk. Surprising number of starting uh, middle linebackers in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. And what do you think that what do you think uh, that I don't know. I'm just going to keep watching and when I when I see plays like uh the two in uh Denver the one from Montana State and Arkansas, I think those two are, number 49 and number 41. Ooh, that might be the worst linebacker combination I've seen in a while. But I'm going to let it marinate because, you know, you get better, you know, the fastest adapting organism is an NFL defense. So maybe the coordinator fixes it or allow them to stay in one-on-one situations. Hmm. Well, Denver is one team that's given up points. Ooh, oh, I, I, ooh, you, a lot of points. A lot of points. <laughs> a lot of points. I, I'm gonna have to marinate on that one, Sap. You no, have no, given me, me and the audience well, something we, to think about. Well, we, yeah, that's get, it. Just, get, I want get, you to look because I got taught what the milk check was. So I said, "Oh my God, Josh Allen, <laughs> <laughs> the headless one." <laughs> let me let me move on. Or I'm staying in the same line, same lane. Mm-hmm. Uh, the NFL is considering eliminating the hip drop tackle. The hip drop tackle. It's almost like you're saddling a horse or a bull or something. You're wrestling a bull to the ground or whatever. That tackle. And they're saying that it leads to injuries, and so they want to eliminate that. So here's another. You can't hit them here. You can't hit them there. Now you can't do the hip drop. You can't grab them by the back of their jerseys. What? What do you think of well, potentially I mean, I need a demonstration. I, I, you know, I I never named the tackles. It's just called getting them on the ground. I mean, like, like, I mean, gator roll. You know, you know what that is. Grab it, roll. So, can you? What is yeah. it when you grab them and over your like hip toss? I, I I think I think you grab them kind of around the waist, and then oh, maybe that old you drag it. You let no, your, no, no, not that, not that drag tackle that they're talking about. Everybody does that, and I've always wondered. When the hell did we get to putting your groin on his butt and that's how you tackle a man? I didn't, I didn't know that's how you tackle it. I, I, and then they want to tell you that when they're coming at you, you put your head behind him. You heard of that? You heard that tackle? Yes. That's well, I what also creates, heard. That what creates yeah, that tackle because I'm behind him. See that? That's that, when your that, head is yeah, behind they just him. Oh, right hip there. Drop. Now that right there. Now that now that's the suplex. 
You know, you got, ooh. What's wrong with Go that? Go back he to the first the one. That's not the hip. That's not the hip. The very first one I that one I saw. I thought was yeah, the, like that the, the with your head drop. behind. That's what they're calling the hip drop. That's what. That's, yeah, that's what they're calling the hip drop. I call him. that a tackle. Yeah, that's getting him on the ground because I, you don't want me to put my head across his bow, and you know put my head to where now I can get jawed and knocked. And knock me crazy. Now I gotta go behind him and grab him, but that's the only way that's going because he's going forward and then I'm behind him. It's nothing but a grab and a horse grab behind hip grab with a hip. What? Come on, man. Just get the man on the ground. Stop that. These are non athletic well, men. These are non athletic men asking some of the best athletes on the world to tackle in a textbook position. What? What? They're, Stop it. They're saying it leads to injuries. And, and to me, this, when you're paying these guys all of this money, and so I want you to sit there as a fan, not as a player. You're, pay, you're, you're seeing all these guys get paid all of this money, and now and, and people are saying a lot of the money is guaranteed through signing bonuses and all that. There's a high percentage of the money that's guaranteed. And so now the owner's got all this guaranteed money tied up in them. They're very paranoid about someone getting hurt. And, and it's like, man, I done paid this dude all his money. He gets the money whether he plays or not. If he's hurt, he gets paid. And, and so that's where this whole thing of guaranteed contracts for NFL players, I've always thought like, no, nah, it just doesn't work that way in this sport. You, you can't, it can't be like the NBA. Too many guys will tap out. It's it it's it's the injury risk is so high. I I, I just I, I man, they're ruining. The you don't get to, You don't get to tap out of a to. football game. You don't get to tap out of a football game. You 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 cannot perform, but you you don't generally get to tap out like the NBA. You know you can be like no you you, know, you, you tap out midweek. You tap out on Wednesday. I'm too hurt ooh, to play. Oh no! Oh no! Oh, on Sunday. Ooh. No, That's there's what an injury That's report. No, no, there's injury reports and stuff like that. You just don't, you don't come up with miracle injuries in the National Football League. With like, no, no, you're not allowed to do that. <laughs> Especially if you're a star, you, you can you can change the line. You're not allowed to do that. No, I bet no. you, I bet you, there's some people in Indianapolis that feel like Jonathan Taylor tapped out the first four weeks of the season. Yeah, he didn't play. I bet you. Yeah, they didn't let I bet him in the you building, the old right? Days, I don't know. He said he had a sore back or whatever. You know, it was a contract hey, listen, dispute. Listen, I, when you when you're in a contract dispute with with the money they slinging around, I'd get me a little groin injury too. You know, you can't diagnose a groin. You know, that's normally where you go, right? I, <laughs> <laughs> that's an old school move, right? That old groin, that groin, not feeling good this week, coach. You know what I'm saying? Hey, man, but you know, Jonathan Allen definitely tapped out. That's why the Moss kid is a top five rusher right now. So. You know, the Wally Pip still comes around, you know. <laughs> I'm sure they got, Taylor, you said you, you No, no, you no, said no. I said Allen the running back. No, no. I, no, no, I said the running back. That's Jonathan Taylor. And Jonathan Taylor, the Jonathan. Wally Pip comes around for you. You know what I'm saying? When you no longer yeah. have your but job. They've already paid foolishly, in my view, they already paid Jonathan Taylor. And, and Moss is I don't nearly as good, fresher legs. Wait. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, they didn't hold they didn't hold him out for the 10 million that Saquon and Davin Cook and the rest of them got? 
No, he got his money. He got, I think that, you know, he got $26 million, I think, maybe guaranteed. Oh, that's Ursay. He also had Jeff Saturday as his head coach last year. So, you know, there's a pattern here. <laughs> there's a pattern here. <laughs> have, you, have you heard this one, Warren? USC quarterback Caleb Williams coming off a three-interception first half, I believe, last week. Cost him the Something game against Notre nasty Dame. nasty game against Notre uh, Dame. Whoa. Yeah. Nasty. Yeah. There, there's a rumor that he thinks he can leverage an NFL team into giving him an ownership stake in the team. Uh, <laughs> that, that he, he's floating that out there that he wants an ownership stake in a team to whoever drafts him. Wait, 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 think wait, wait. this wait. will happen? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. This wasn't, wasn't this the same fella just last week that says if a right team is not in the number one position, he'll go back to college because he'll be taking a pay cut to go to that team, right? Yes. Did I didn't I hear that correctly, or you know not? Because I, you know, I don't have a producer in the whole close. team. That's, Something like that, close. right? Something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. So now, yes. I know one NFL player who now owns a piece of an NFL team. And his name is Warwick Dunn. Does Caleb Williams have a story like Warwick Dunn and does what Warwick Dunn did for his whole time in the National Football League giving single moms a new home? Caleb, that's what you have to have. No, he does. You have to have a, a, a very paint his fingernails. Very, yeah, yeah, I know. And put it in Utah on it and got his ass whooped by Utah and all this stuff. Yeah, I, I got it. I, I got it. This is Hollywood where they make up a lot of wild stories. Son, get in the reality world. Warwick Dunn owns 1% of the Atlanta Falcons because Arthur Blank just gifted it to him because if you know Warwick like I do, Warwick is the salt of the earth and no better representation of an organization than a, a, a good man and a, and a great ambassador for a franchise. That's who owns a piece of a team. <laughs> and Peyton Manning had to uh, go buy a bunch of Papa John's to try to get him a piece of a team or something, right? But Caleb is going to do this coming out of college. I love it. Hey, man, ask for the world and see if they'll give you, you know, a mountain. Why not? Yeah, they say a closed mouth can't get fed, so. At all. Uh, you never know what a, <laughs> a, a fool in his money sells soon part. So, hey, i tell you one thing I did see from Caleb Williams, a warm-up from a quarterback Oh, my God. I was watching this dude run around in the warm-up before the Colorado game. And I just, I was just stuck for a minute. Well, I, I, and it, I said, I've never seen a quarterback warm up like this. This young man was rolling and throwing it. And I said, ooh, I would love to have a quarterback like that. Just watching him warm up gave me confidence. And I wasn't even playing. I mean, I'm like, woo, he's something special. He played a special game last week, too, but, you know, on the spe wrong special time, but special young man. But you're not getting a piece of an NFL franchise. You're going to get in the uh, rookie salary cap numbers, and you're going to have to work for that fifth-year young man like the rest of us. Welcome. Uh, you, you mentioned Colorado, and you almost triggered me into asking you a question about uh, your Buffaloes, but I, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to mention that not they my Buffaloes yet. Point lead. Not my Buffaloes yet until I'm, I'm, a check comes, and you know, you know that, you know how that goes. <laughs> you'll, you'll get ownership until, until I get some vittles. <laughs> then I'll let me ask us. you about I'm a. I'm not let me French. ask you about a team you did see. Uh oh. Uh, that you 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 did see. You saw the Detroit Lions Ooh. this weekend. Uh, take it to yeah. your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. Are, are, are the Lions a legitimate Super Bowl threat? 
I'm not going to go Super Bowl threat, but I like what they're doing because when you have a top 10 offense, defense, and I'm not just talking about the the yards because you know that's how they judge NFL defenses about the yards, but I'm talking about third down points and what, what's my three things? Third down po- and run, run defense because that's got to travel. And who do they play this week? The Ravens, where the quarterback even runs. So I like what they're doing. I like Campbell, I, I saw him in the tunnel because I remember playing against him. I said, what up, coach? And he turned around and looks, oh, gave me a handshake. I said, bite some knees, but don't bite too hard today. Them, them my boys out there. Because you know? <laughs> I, 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 I saw a very physical football team coming into a place that we, 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 we talk about our run defense, but we don't, we don't hit like a run defense. The Lions got the number one run defense. And when you got the number one run defense and a top ten NFL quarterback that that knows what it's like to go to the Super Bowl and then get thrown away thrown away by the team that you took to that Super Bowl, it humbles you to a point where, you know, I I was watching the Thursday night game, and one of the DBs did the dumbest thing that I used to tell Run they don't do in the first quarter. He jumped the route on Jared Goff early in that game. Boy, Jared Goff went to that sideline, and I saw him throw that helmet down, and I said. I looked at my old lady, I said, baby, they're going to beat the hell out of the Green Bay Packers right now. She's like, but they just picked, I said, I know they just picked the ball off, but Jared Goff is going to go through his reads like with a fine tooth comb from this point on in this game. And boy, did he do it. I I called Ronda, I said, Ronda, you see what I'm Don't jump one of them boys in the first quarter. He pissed them off. <laughs> and then they go through all their reads and make sure that people are exactly where they're supposed to be. And they let, I mean, he is playing MVP football right now. MVP football right now, and I never thought I'd say that about Jared Goff. I mean, the young man is, is is on his game. They got a run game behind him, and then Hutchinson and crew over there shutting down the run and turning them into a one-dimensional team, and they're coming to get the quarterback. <laughs> they're coming to get the quarterback. So when, and they got everything you need, but let's see how let's see how healthy they are because that's 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 the biggest thing. The NFL is a marathon, and at the end of the year. Ain't no more gimmicks. Ain't no more trick plays. It's going to be can you physically move your opponent and run the ball like they've been doing, and can your quarterback, you know, make plays on third down? And they're making them on both sides. Top ten on both sides of the ball, third down on defense and offense. And that always helps you in a football game. Three more snaps, three less snaps for your opponent, you win games. Uh, Finally, Sap, before I let you go, Emmitt Smith. One of the greatest running backs of all time, all time oh, leading rusher. Yeah, uh, Emmett has stated that uh, Dak Prescott isn't a long-term solution. Let's watch the clip, and then I want your reaction. One of the secret things with Dallas Cowboys this year is they have to decide if they're going to pay Dak Prescott long-term. <laughs> CC brings it up all the time because it's a major issue. Emmett Smith, would you give Dak Prescott that contract? At this point, I probably wouldn't. Um, I think there are other positions on the football field um, that we need to have. We need to create. See, our defense have great chemistry. Mm-hmm. Great chemistry. Offensively, we don't have the chemistry that's required. We're not matching what our defense is doing uh, from a chemistry standpoint and functionality standpoint and and aggressiveness. Uh, defense flies around the football all the time, and and they're playing solid. Now, granted, they, they ran into a buzzsaw against these guys at the 49ers, and the Cardinals hit them with a bunch of energy. So yep. we didn't match that energy offensively. We didn't match that 
energy on the defensive side when we played the Cardinals. And so uh, I think chemistry is one of those things that, 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 that <laughs> truly creates quality football teams, offense, defense, and special teams. That chemistry come together, you have the, you have the Eagles, you also have the Niners, and you also have uh, teams that win championships. That's what you have. Sounds to me like he's questioning Dak a little bit, not just as a passer, but as a leader. He's not Absolutely. creating the right chemistry on offense. Absolutely. Seems to be what he's saying. Absolutely what he's saying is Dak, Dak don't have the confidence of the people in his huddle or around his huddle or in the organization to follow him. And I think that's a disservice to Dak. It really is. The Cowboys offensive line is a mess. They got a guy wearing Larry Allen's number that should not even be in the National Football League, their left guard, number 73. It's a tragedy. And then you put this little running back behind Dak and Tony Pollard and say he's going to carry the load. And then you sign the little running back deuce. What is he going to really do for your football team unless somebody gets hurt or the game is out of question? And it's like a gimmick for the fans. You know what I'm saying? We got this little running back that's going to run around in big Texas. And Big Jones Mahal. It's a joke. And you tell me number 33 on defense, uh, Lewis, Lamore, whatever that boy name, stop it. And then the milk check beside him in 55, come on, let's stop this. Let's stop this. Let's really take a good look at your Cowboys and evaluate it without the, you know, the Dak Prescott hate. Because Troy Aikman wasn't that great of a quarterback. My quarterback, Brad Johnson, has more throwing touchdowns than him. Stop so it, stop. Warren. Stop it. Stop it, what? Warren. What? What? Aikman, Aikman what? was on a complete offense with a running game and an offensive line. Troy Aikman could have put up numbers. Could've? Troy Aikman could have. Could have shoot a water? Yes, That's what you're telling me? That, he didn't that, have to. He won three so Super you're Bowls. Telling, so you're telling me Jimmy Johnson, one of the greatest coaches, Hall of Fame coach, had a 40, 50,000 300 touchdown passing quarterback, and he didn't take advantage of it? He let Vinny yes, Testaverde throw the air out. He won three ball. Super Bowls. He let, he let Vinny Testaverde throw the air out the ball in that Fiesta Bowl with five picks in the Penn State game, but he had Troy Aikman, the blue-eyed wonder, and he, he wouldn't let him throw? That's why Michael Irvin got 750 catches and only 65 touchdowns? Because Jimmy Johnson didn't want Michael Irvin to have them gaudy numbers? Stop it. No. Warren, stop it. You, you know that took the ball there's out a guy named Emmitt Smith that you just watched who's the all-time leading rusher in NFL history. You know why? Because so if you got the all-time leading rusher in NFL history, you can't also then have one of the all-time great passing yardage guys. You can't? LaDainian Tomlinson no. and... And Phillip Rivers wasn't in the same backfield? How many Super Bowls Roger, they win? Roger Craig, was the first, win? Roger Craig was the first 1,000 thousand, oh, thousand running you, back. Now you're comparing Roger Craig to Emmitt No, Smith. you're Stop saying you can't have both. Marshall Falk and, and Kurt Warner didn't function well Who's O.J. Simpson's quarterback? Who was O.J. Simpson's quarterback? Who played quarterback for born. Jim Brown? I wasn't even born. Who's Eric Dickerson's quarterback? I know him. Oh, Vince Ferragamo, I got that quarterback. one. I got that part. Oh, no, yeah. no, because... Uh, Who's Earl Frontier, Campbell's quarterback? Dan Pastorini. Who, who's, who's Barry Sanders' quarterback? Uh, Scott Mitchell, Charlie Who's Walter Pat, Payton's quarterback? The, the Bob Avellini. Jim McMahon. Jim McMahon. The, champ, yeah. the Super Bowl champion, Jim McMahon. You can run into a trap sometimes with them crazy I'm not, things. I'm not, I'm not allowing this Troy Aikman slander. Troy Aikman could have been exactly what Tom could've. Brady was. 
Could have been. Yeah. Could have. In the right system. So could Kelly Hoker. Yeah. So could Kelly Hoker. Because <laughs> <laughs> ifs and buts was candies and nuts, every day would be Christmas with life. <laughs> All right, brother. <laughs> I, you, you're going to make me mad that I introduced Troy you the Troy was I on did. the TV and uh, said that's the first time he used a little telestrator to count 12 people in 25 years. I'm like, really, Troy? Stop it, man. Yeah. And this is why I call you Charles Barkley, because sometimes Charles Barkley spins off the road and you just spun off the road. I, I I'm done with you, Warren. I, I love you. Yeah, you See just you spun week. off the road. I'm done. <laughs> See you next week. That's Warren Sapp. This you man just tried to slander Troy Aikman. Take him off the screen, please. Thank you. Disconnect him. Uh, hey, guys, I, before we get to uh, Brett Favre, the fun slinger, I want to talk to you guys about Bank on Yourself. Are you being lied to? Wall Street tells you to put your money in an IRA or 401k. They say that risking your life savings in the Wall Street casino is a secure investment for the future. Yet studies show the average American who follows that advice will outlive their savings by 10 years. Bank on yourself is a better way to grow and protect your hard-earned money. This retirement plan alternative has never had a losing year in over 160 years. With Bank on Yourself, your plan doesn't go backwards when the markets tumble. Your principal and growth are locked in. You get access to your money for any purpose with no questions asked and without government penalties or restrictions on how much income you can take or when you can take it. Try doing that with a 401k or IRA. You can't. This is the strategy famous businesses like McDonald's have used. And almost anyone can do it. Your money is guaranteed to grow by a larger dollar amount every single year in both good times and bad. Do you want guaranteed, predictable annual growth, control of your money, and tax-free retirement income? Then go to bankonyourself.com fearless, and we'll send you a free report with the proven retirement plan alternative that banks and Wall Street are desperately hoping you never hear about. Just go to bankonyourself.com fearless for your free report. Bankonyourself.com fearless. Fred Favre, the fun singer. Next. Daily Dose of Dion, previously on Fearless. This is someone not standing on firm ground. He thinks he is it. He thinks he's the standard. He's pointing to himself. Guys, be like me. There's no leader that does that. I'm sorry. Even if Dion was setting the standard, you don't, you don't get in front of a group of people and say, everybody needs to be like me, match me. Dion's level of self-idolatry is out of control. And those of you unwilling to call him out and criticize, those of you running to anybody that says anything about him, oh, they're racist or they're a sellout, you're contributing to the failure of Dion. Dion's not a lost cause. Everybody is capable of manning up, maturing, repenting, reevaluating, adjusting. But there's no reason to when you have a chorus of people screaming and yelling and rationalizing every mistake you make. 
The standoff at the border is heating up between Texas Governor Greg Abbott and the federal government. Politicians will never let a crisis go to waste. We have been invaded. The crisis is being used by Republicans as a photo op by the Democrats to expand their voting base. More than 85% of everybody reaching the border is coming in. That's the definition of an open border. Just down the road, you can get in no problem, no Humvees, no armed guards. What people don't realize is there's a way around everything. The Blaze Originals team traveled to the Texas border, ground zero of the most controversial news story of 2024. With some experts estimating over 4 million border crossings in 2023 alone, we embedded with the Take Our Border Back convoy to investigate. What if the entire narrative you thought you knew was a lie? Go watch the real story of Texas versus the feds and how the elites use the border crisis against us by visiting realbordercrisis.com and use code TEXAS for $30 off an annual subscription to Blaze TV. All right, time for a little fun with the fun slinger, Brett Favre, one of the greatest players in NFL history. Uh, Brett, welcome back to the show. Great to have you. Thank you, Jason. Uh, Brett, uh, thank, uh, good to have you here. Good. Uh-oh, I skipped around and I... All right, now I got my notes. Uh, Brett, I want to talk to you about we're almost to the midway point of the season, and we're heading into week seven, and teams are starting to get an identity, and you know, they've had their basic preseason because we don't have preseason anymore. Right. And, and so I'm just wondering if if your mindset starts to change at this point in the season once you know who you are and, and a little bit of the playoff race is starting to shape up. Does your mindset and approach change at all at this point in the season? For me, it, it didn't. Um, I think um, – <clears throat> At this point in the season, you start sizing up where you stand. Um, probably not a good thing, uh, but but it is what it is. You just kind of see where you fall in the division, how the conference is shaping up, you know, and how you're playing uh, as an individual and as a team uh, was really my mindset. I think one of the most fascinating teams I think we're looking at this year is the New York Jets. Their season got off to such a horrendous start. Just first offensive series, and everybody thinks their season's over. Aaron Rodgers is hurt. But here they are six games into the season, and they're 3-3. Three and three. That has to be a team that really feels good about themselves and has it in the back of their head that either Aaron Rodgers may come back or Zach Wilson may continue to get better and better and better. That, that, the Jets, are to me, are one of the most fascinating teams we have this season, and it was supposed to be that way with Aaron Rodgers, but they may be even more fascinating now. Yeah, 3-3 three and three almost seems like 6-0 and oh for that team. Uh, I, I probably like most, I felt like after Aaron was injured and everyone knew that it was, or assumed that it was, uh, he was going to be out for the season. I figured they would go in the tank, but they've done just the opposite. They've played opportunistic ball. 
Zach Wilson, I think, continues to get better. And I, I see no reason why that doesn't continue. And Aaron seems to be helping him some. Uh, I believe that helps. Having a vote of confidence from a guy like Aaron certainly can lift you up. And their defense is really good. Uh, you know, I think everyone knew that coming in. Their defense is very good and will keep them in ball games. The only thing Zach needs to do is not hurt them and make some plays. Maybe not a lot of plays, but just enough to get them over the hump. And maybe Aaron comes back. Time will tell on that. But it's it certainly looks like that's where we're heading. The media had jumped on Zach Wilson. He, he had been the guy that, going back to last year, he was the guy the media decided, hey, we can pile on this guy. We can crack jokes about him. We can tease him for some off-the-field issues. I think maybe related to his mom, and I, I'm, I'm not playing dumb. I don't even remember the details, but I, I just know it had something to do with somebody's mother. And, and, and now he's kind of become this underdog story where players around the league, players in his own locker room are rooting for him. And I'm just want. there's a lot of times athletes and coaches always say, man, I ignore the media. I don't pay any attention. I have no idea. I don't read the newspaper. I don't get online. I don't care. Were, were you that way? Is that true? Did, did, did you pay attention to what the media had to say? Did it ever bother you what the media had to say uh, when you were playing? And have you, have you or anyone you've ever played with been impacted by what the media is doing and what the media is saying about you? Well, I think it's virtually impossible to avoid the media these days. If you own a cell phone, you probably have seen something news related, whether it's about you or someone else, Israel, whatever. You, you can't help but uh, see it. It wasn't that way back when I was playing, uh, even though it wasn't that long ago. Uh, the answer to the question is yes, but very little in regards to looking at the media. I didn't, I didn't watch the news. Uh, but like if you're at an event or a restaurant or a get together in the the TV's on and they're showing our game from that we just played three hours ago. Yeah, I would, I would watch. Uh, certainly if we won, I would watch. But my dad told me something a long time ago that resonated for the rest of my career. If you're willing to read the good or watch the good, you got to be willing to read the bad or watch the bad. And that that always struck a chord with me. Uh, so I try to stay away from it as much as possible. There's no good that comes at, when you're playing of researching or seeing what they're saying about you because much like Zach Wilson, there's, there's going to be good days or good stretches, but there's going to be bad as well. I'm sitting here trying to pardon the interruption on ESPN was on and popular during your playing days. There were now there's every, you know these networks ESPN, Fox Sports. 
they all have debate talk yeah. shows going on all day. But I, did you ever watch Pardon the Interruption, Mike and Tony, and care about whatever they were saying about you or the NFL? No, I, I know both of them. Uh, have talked to, to both before at various times. But I never, I know exactly what you're talking about, the show. Uh, I've seen it on yeah. the air, but I've never, no offense to those guys, but I've never just sat down and said, I'm going to watch this. Uh, I've seen it bits and pieces in passing. Did you ever have a teammate that maybe wasn't as disciplined as you who did get caught up in what the media had to say about them? Yeah, that, uh, it happened all the time. Someone would say, did you, did you see what they said about me? And I would say, you can't worry about that. I mean, you really can't. And Mike Holmgren, my first coach in Green Bay, was, was adamant over and over again to stay out of the media. Um, and for the most part, guys listen to his advice, but oftentimes when someone was getting, getting, uh, hit pretty hard by the media, they would bring it up. And the elder statesmen usually would say, you can't pay attention to the media. You can't, I mean, it's no good in, in paying attention to it because there's, like I said, there's going to be good days and bad days. So you just, there's more important things to focus on. I, I think one of the things that's different now than your era is now everybody's aware of how much money there is to be made in the media post playing career. And so people do things during their career to put themselves in position for their next career. And now every athlete basically has their own podcast. Everybody, you know, the athletes want to be a part of the media because one, it's, it's such a lucrative fun uh, to some degree and, and not the hardest amount of work to be in the media. It, it, it seems like that's a big difference that a lot of guys, while they're playing, they're building their brands so that they can move right into one of the... Tony Romo is making $18 million a year calling football way games more than for he, CBS. Than he, yeah, way more than he made playing. Go figure. Uh, <laughs> to each his own. Um, I, I think the game has changed. I think the media has changed. And you get instantaneous media with one click. Um, and, and that's not going away. So coaches are uh, very forgiving when guys are doing things like that while they're playing. You almost have to be because it, it's, it's what we are now. It's, it's, this country is social media driven. Brett, I'm sitting here, just had a thought that just flashed through my mind. I, I don't, do you remember when Antonio Brown was still with the Steelers? I think they lost a playoff game or something, and he did a Facebook Live in the locker room. And I can remember everybody melted down. I can't believe he violated the sanctity of the locker room. He, he's doing a live stream 
from the locker room after they just played a game. I can't believe it. And now, and, and I'm not even saying this as a criticism. I'm just talking about how things have changed. Deion Sanders and his Colorado football team, they film and broadcast virtually everything. Here's Deion going to the bathroom. Uh, did he wash his hands afterwards? <laughs> you know, everything is, is broadcast now. And what Antonio Brown did isn't so outrageous now anymore because it's kind of the norm. Everybody sees everything they're doing as potential content. Well, it's sort of in line with rule changes. You know, there was a time when hitting the quarterback was, was fun. Now you get fined or suspended for, for even looking at him wrong. Um, the game has changed. The media perception has changed. The, it, it's all about promotion, self or team or an entity that you're, you're trying to promote. And um, I, there's a lot of money to be made uh, in, in those areas. So I don't see it stopping anytime soon. Hey, I want to I I play you this clip from Tom Brady. We, we just had Warren Sapp on before you, and uh, I played him this clip from Tom Brady talking about uh, the physicality being removed from the National Football League, and he, he's not real happy about it. So let's play the Tom Brady clip, and then I want to ask Brett a specific question. You know, last night in that particular, because it's so obvious and because it's at the end of the game, you know, everyone wants it called. And you'd always love the refs to get it right. They don't always get it right. Um, you know, they, they mess up too, just like we as players mess up. So I don't think you always blame the refs. I don't think, you know, you can always let the refs off. I mean, there's always probably a middle ground in all of it that you're hoping over the course of the season, you know, they, they balance themselves out. And maybe you're on the positive end of one of those calls, um, you know. At, and then they have instant replay for other calls that they've tried to implement over a long period of time where they're certain to get it right. Cause it's not like Wimbledon, you know, where mm-hmm. basically refs are meaningless now because they got the tracker and it's, you know, there's so many different violations in football. I would actually like to see less violations called, you know, focus on the important ones and let some other things go. I saw DK Metcalf got penalized for unnecessary roughness. He's, you know, it would, I don't know whether it's unnecessary or not, but all I know is the defenders got every right to, you know, push back on DK, but he doesn't do it. So DK throws them on the ground. They throw a flag. I'm like, I don't understand what the flag is. This is football. This is not, Yeah. this is not, you know, this is not, you know, this isn't touch football. This is real football. And I think the physicality, which people really enjoy, I certainly enjoyed. I, I love that physical element of the sport. I don't think we should ever lose that. And I think that we are, you know, there's so many people that are, you know, want it less and less physical. It's a, it's, it's more like flag football, which is going to be in the Olympics in 2028, you know, which maybe football goes to flag football over a period of time. (laughs) And I don't think fans will like that that much. Then everyone should stop bitching about, you know, unnecessary roughness calls. Brett, one of the things I think Tom is stating there that I've argued for, for years, and, and I think it applies to you as well, but I said this to Warren, Uh, People don't understand this about the quarterback position, the way it used to be played. Phil Simms, the reason why he was a Super Bowl champion and a starter for the Giants and had a successful career 
was because he was one of the few guys. He wasn't as talented as a lot of guys, but he was one of the few guys that would stand in the pocket and take a hit to deliver the football downfield. He did it all the time. Tom Brady, early in his career, that's what separated him before he started putting up all the amazing stats. It was actually his toughness in the pocket, take the hit, still deliver the football. That's what separated him. You had a toughness in the pocket that separated you. You had a great arm and you put up great stats as well, but the toughness in the pocket. And so when I hear Tom Brady talking, I hear a guy saying, you know, the way that I got my career off the ground and, and became great and became respected in the locker room, the tough guy that would take the hit, stand in the pocket, and the teammates would see that, that's all being eliminated from football, and, and it's not a good thing. It, 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 it doesn't allow the true leaders to reveal themselves, the true tough guys. When you remove the physicality, it's like almost anybody can play football. It doesn't matter your mental makeup. It doesn't matter your level of toughness. Anybody can play the game. I don't think he's whining here. I think he's pointing out like, wow, the way that I came up and, and revealed myself as a great quarterback, that path is being taken away. Yeah, the, the, the strategic part of it is taken away. And what I mean by that is, Defensive coordinators, I, I heard it so many times. Make it be known that you're close, or you're going you're going to be close. Bumping, hitting. Um, I, the defense coordinators that I played with never said break his leg or close lining or anything like that. But you wanted to make you wanted to make him un uncomfortable, and if you had a chance to sack him. You wanted to de-clean within the confines of the game. And you want the, the, the making him uncomfortable part of the game is, is gone. Um, so I'm, I'm sure offense coordinators and certainly quarterback coaches are saying, look, they can't hit you. They can't hit you. So stand in there. Have, have some patience. Have, calm down. Relax. And and that's true, because they can hit you. They can't even come close. So defensive coordinators can't say, or they can say it. You know, I guess they're not getting fined. But the the days of making them uncomfortable are over. And the front office of the National Football League is more concerned about the image and keeping their top players upright and playing, then, you know, and I'm not saying guys need to, they need to allow illegal hits and things of that nature. Uh, certainly not. But within the confines of the game, things happen. And they're, they're taking out the things happen part of it. And maybe the younger generation doesn't care and but I do. I know the older generation cares. It's about scoring points, uh, flamboyant touchdowns, awesome plays um, from Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, guys like that. Uh, it's about being flashy. It's not about being tough anymore.
What's weird, Brad, and we've talked about it this week, scoring is actually down. Quarterback play, quarterback ratings actually down. They're not playing as efficiently as they did in previous years. They're kicking more field goals. Again, scoring is down. They've done all these rules to make it easier on the quarterback, make it easier on the offense, and it's not working. I think, and I argued, and I, I told Warren Sapp this, and I said it earlier this week, it's like if you eliminate practice, you're really hurting the offense. You know, defense needs to practice, but defense needs more to tap into emotion and have that emotional energy to play. Offense is very strategic. I, I can give you one example of, of something that I see a lot less of in my view, and this is speculation on my part. Someone needs to check it out. But in Kansas City, they had an offensive coordinator under Marty Schottenheimer, Al Saunders. Or was he, he was there with Dick's, Dick Vermeil as the offensive coordinator. I think he was a wide receiver coach with, with, with uh, Marty. But Al Saunders' offense had so much pre-snap, pre-snap motion. Guys were doing all, guys were just moving all around, all around, all around. And it feels like I see less of that now. And I attribute it to it's like, well, they don't have time to practice, so they don't trust putting all that in. And so guys now tend more to just line up, stay where they're at, and hope no one jumps off sides. But scoring's down, and I think it's because they're not getting enough on-field practice to run efficient offenses and even prepare the quarterback, particularly for red zone situations. Well, they don't play in preseason. I don't know how much they participate in the off-season workouts. I, used to, it was mini camps, and uh, then it's OTAs, and I'm sure select quarterbacks, if they choose to be there, are very welcome. But if you're going to be there, you're probably not participating. And I think another element to it that maybe it needs to be fact-checked, but too many players are moving around. And I'm saying moving around, moving from team to team. So the days of Joe Montana throwing to John Taylor and Jerry Rice, Brent Jones, Tom Rathman, Roger Craig, how, how long were they there together? A long time. And then Steve Young had the same cast. So that element seems to be gone. Continuity. Yeah. Continuity. So you're throwing to a different guy every year. And there's a few exceptions, but the way one guy runs a route that you trusted and you knew with your eyes closed that he would be there, I think those days are over. And I think that's a big part of of the lack of point scoring in production. That's a great point. I'm glad because I'm going to be writing more about this and talking more about this because I don't, you know, all the fun and all the points that the NFL is supposed to be delivering, and it's just not happening. And just I'm not asking you to comment because you, you'll sound like a grumpy old man, but I can say it. I'm a sport. The quarterback play, it's it significantly dropped off from your era, from the heyday of the NFL when it went from Brett Favre to Peyton Manning to Tom Brady to Aaron Rodgers to all these different guys. It's it's just not the same. The, the quality of plays. Uh, just not as good. Brett, I want to ask you on a lighter note. Uh, thinking about all, you know, Caleb Williams, USC quarterback, there's a rumor that 
you know, he, he wants to demand a stake in whatever team he, that drafts him. He wants an ownership stake. And it just made me think about all the money these young guys get. And now they're talking about, hey, I want an ownership stake. When you, you're a second round pick, you got three or 400,000 bucks in a signing bonus in the uh, early 1990s. And I think your first contract was for 1.3 million over three or four years. What did you do uh, when you got your first big paycheck? Uh, who, who, who'd you blow some money on? Well, I didn't, I really didn't blow any money. Um, the first thing that happened when I signed my contract, I got a $450,000 signing bonus. And I remember that as if it were an hour ago. And I remember it <laughs> so well because Bus Cook, my agent, great guy, very smart, uh, just keeps it real. He said, now, I want you to think about this very carefully. You don't have 450000 You have half of that. The other half is the government. So either you put it away now or have the team take out the half. That way, he said, I would recommend that because that way you, you never spend it and then get in a bind. So he said, from here on out, if you sign a $10 million contract, it's $5 million. If you sign a $20 million contract, it's $10 million. So and I, I was kind of like, wow. That was kind of because I had $125 in my checking account before. And, and that's, a, that's a true fact before I signed my first contract. Now, what I did is I did buy my, my first car. My mom and dad were school teachers in Mississippi. I can't tell you how many times I asked for a car. We had, they had four kids. And my dad, I'm not going to repeat what my dad said because it's bad language. But so when I got my first contract, I went and bought a, uh, uh, an Acura Legend and paid for it, wrote a check, didn't know how to write the check, had to have somebody there write the check for me. I, it was like 34000 for the car. So I drove it, bought it in Mobile, drove it back to my dad's house, all excited. I, I said, Mom, Dad, come out, come see. My dad walks out and he said, Now, why in the hell you want to waste your money on something like that? And uh, I was like, Okay. And uh, life went on. Uh, but you know, I rented in Atlanta the first year and uh, eventually bought a house in Green Bay at uh, two or three years in. But uh, I was fairly frugal. Your parents, they didn't want anything. They didn't ask for anything. You didn't you didn't you didn't have to buy them anything. No, the, the house we grew up in was fine. Uh, wasn't nothing fancy, but it, it was it was home. Um, I did buy my dad a truck at some point uh, in my career. Um, bought him plane tickets to come watch the play. Uh, would help out at home improvements. Uh, Hurricane Katrina came and wiped my our house away, rebuilt in the same place. So uh, I helped 
uh, along the way, but it, you know, I didn't go buy him a fancy house or now my dad did want some cows. So I bought him some cows. <laughs> this simple, you know, it reminds me. Yeah. I, it reminds me of, again, I grew up with Jeff George and, uh, you know, his parents refused to move out of the house that that they raised their kids in. They had three boys uh, and, you know, forever. Mr. George may still live there. Judy George's mom passed away, but they had a very simple house with a very tiny pool in the backyard. You know, I, I couldn't imagine they paid more than I couldn't imagine they paid more than $50,000 for that house and they refused to leave. And I, 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 I can remember <laughs> Jeff, I think had, they had some shag carpet inside their house. Did he, he finally got them to replace that. But, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, those are the guys that don't have family crawling into their pocket and asking for a lot of things and don't feel pre Those are the guys that survive and, and, uh, you know, don't end up broke. And so it sounds like you, great parents, great. That, that, that's yeah. good. You bought an Acura, $34,000 Acura. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, and, and it, didn't go it, hurt, it, it pained me to write that check for 34000 I was like, ah, this is a, a lot of money, which it was. And it's still a lot of money today, in my opinion. Um, yep. But, you know, we were raised that way. Mom and dad didn't make very much money. I think combined, they made fifty thousand, um, and and that and that's including my dad being a football coach. Uh, so I remember one night in, I, when I was a kid, they called me and my older brother Scott into the kitchen, and uh, they said, "You want to see something?" And we were like, "Yeah, sure." They held up a hundred dollar bill. That was the first time I'd seen a hundred dollar bill, and I thought, "Wow, we're rich." Funny how you how things work out, uh, how you see things. <laughs> it really and and finally, Brett. Uh, and I was just thinking this morning, like, who was your favorite player? You you growing up in Mississippi? There's no NFL team in Mississippi. Who who was your favorite football player of all time as a kid, and and why? Well, there were two teams. The, the local team would have been the Saints. They were, we, I grew up 50 miles from the Superdome. And this was back when you got three channels, three channels only. So the only team that was on most of the time was the Saints. I loved Archie Manning. He was a heck of a player on a terrible team. But he made unbelievable plays scrambling around, and I wanted to be like him. But my favorite team was the Cowboys. I love Roger Stallback. I've told him. I've met him numerous times. He probably runs from me when he sees me now because I always remind him that my career was largely based on what he did and how he did it. I wanted to be Roger Stallback and Archie Manning throughout my career. Mm, that's fun. I, it reminds me, I grew up in Indianapolis. We don't have a professional team when I'm a kid. They moved there when I'm a senior in high school. The Colts do. And so I was a big Los Angeles Rams fan just because I love that. I love their helmet. 
and and James Harris uh, was their quarterback. They had this black quarterback, black when black quarterbacks didn't didn't really exist in the NFL, and so they kind of caught my imagination. But my actual two favorite players, they had a running back, Lawrence McCutcheon, and they had a defensive end that's in the Hall of Fame, uh, Jack Youngblood. And yeah. and I met Jack Youngblood at one point, and I told him, and this is the truth. This is a true story. I, during the summer once, I, I wore his 85 jersey 19 straight days, of course, without washing it. And <laughs> my mother uh, literally gave me a spanking. Like, you're not wearing that because I'm arguing whether I'm trying to wear it a 20th straight day. Uh, I, I was just a Rams nut. And a, a Jack Youngblood and Lawrence McCutcheon nut. had a Lawrence McCutcheon jersey, too. Uh, but anyway, I, I love to. That's the way I love that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, Brett, uh, thank you. Have a great rest of the week. Hope you do some hunt. Well, you don't fish. I keep remembering that. you're the only <laughs> hunter I know that doesn't fish. But we'll, we'll change that at some point. Uh, Brett, uh, thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Okay, Jason, you're welcome. All right. All right. That's Brett Favre. Uh, guys, I want to talk to you a little bit about prize picks. Are you testing your skills on prize picks this football season? It's the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Prize picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks just by submitting an entry in less than 60 seconds. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. My mom, she loves Prize Picks. She's been playing all year. Hopefully, you've been competing with her or taking her picks. Some of them have been awesome. Here's what she selected for this NFL Sunday uh, Mark Andrews, tight end for the uh, Baltimore Ravens. She's got him with more than 55 and a half receiving yards against Detroit. Uh, Jordan Love, Green Bay's new quarterback, more than 235 and a half passing yards versus Denver. I kind of like that Denver's defense stinks. Uh, and then Stefan Diggs. Mm, she's betting against Stefan Diggs. Uh, less than 86 and a half receiving yards against New England. Uh, she doesn't think Belichick's going to let. Stefan Diggs go off. Mama, I think I disagree with you, but you guys decide. That's her prize picks. Prize picks now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season. Go to prizepicks.com slash fearless. Use the code fearless for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash fearless. Use my promo code fearless. Prize picks. Daily fantasy sports made easy. Uh, make sure. You guys tune in on November 2nd for our second uh, Fearless Army cookout. It's the gold jacket edition. NFL Hall of Famers, Brett Favre, Warren Sapp, Marshall Falk, and Brian Erlacher all right here in studio uh, with us on November 2nd. Uh, that show will air at 6 p.m. Central Time. There's a way you can, if you check my Twitter feed, there's a way you can come Join us for that live taping and get to hang out with these guys here in Nashville. Check my Twitter feed. That information's there. Uh, it's going to be an awesome, awesome cookout. Gold jacket. Between the five of us, there's four, you know, 
There's four uh, gold jackets, four Hall of Famers between the five of us. You figure out who's, who's not in the Hall of Fame. All right, Steve Kim, the Korean Cosell. Next. The NFL in free fall. Previously on Fearless. The NFL is in free fall and no one cares. Or no one is willing to talk about it. I do think people care. I do think people see it. But everyone's been paid off and everyone's basically lying about the game and what we're witnessing. It's no different. The thing with Enron was going on, it was going on for years, and anybody with a brain should have been able to see, like, oh my God, this whole thing is a fugazi. But they sold it anyway, and they sold Kenneth Lay, and they sold Jeffrey Skilling, and these guys made millions, and then it all collapsed, and people lost their retirement funds, people lost everything, tied up, and people lost their jobs, their careers, and some of these guys at Enron went to prison. The, the Kenneth Lay, <laughs> He died before they sentenced him. He got convicted, but he died before they sentenced him. I, I'm telling you, one day people are going, very soon, are going to snap out of it and realize what we're looking at in the NFL. All these overhyped quarterbacks making 40 and $50 million a year, they can't play a lick, can't read a defense, can't, you can't criticize them, you can't, they don't practice, they don't have to do anything. And they're all getting ridiculously overpaid. All right, welcome back. Time for some Korean co-sell. Steve Kim, Steve, welcome to the show. Steve, I've got an interesting theory for my daily dose of Dion. Got to give the people what they want, what they need. Uh, they need a daily dose of Dion. I know they hop in the chats, they complain, but they love when I talk Dion. Uh, and they, anyway, I don't know if you've noticed this, but uh, Stephen A. Smith has been critical of Dion Sanders this week, and so has Shannon Sharp. I want to play both of these clips. Uh, let's play them back to back. Stephen A. Smith first, then Shannon Sharp, and then I'm going to tell you my theory on what's going on here, Steve. And then, I, then we'll get your reaction. Let's, let's play the clips. It's an absolute disgrace. Unacceptable. The fact of the matter is Colorado came into this game 13-point um, favorites, okay, and got outscored by a 13-point underdog, 46-14 to 14 in the second half after being up 29 to nothing. They're now 1-3 and three in the Pac-12. Their defense has allowed the second most yards per game at 473.7, Shannon, and the seventh most points per game at 35.9 in all of the entire FBS. I believe that Deion Sanders is a coach. I think he's a hell of a coach. He needs some dogs, as he told us. Mm -hmm. He's about seven or eight dogs away, but here's the problem. The players got caught up in the shine their coach generated. And and I'm calling out his son, Shadir Sanders, who I love and I think has star written all over him. But whether it was you or by accident, it was somebody on your social media team, you cannot have something being posted at halftime of a damn game. Tom Brady and your dad already joked with you about what you were driving around with and how you needed to be in the film room. Well, guess what? It is no longer a laughing matter. Y'all are getting your ass kicked. 
show up, stand up, because your daddy and to the players on that squad, your coach is as much bravado as he had, as much swag as he had. He was the best on the planet. Week in and week out, you knew primetime Deion Sanders was the best probably ever. Y'all ain't on that level. Stop acting like it and show up on the damn field and do what the hell you're supposed to do instead of getting your ass kicked on national television. Somebody got to say Put yourself on the map that night. Ocho. And I'm probably going to catch some flag from there. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Think about it first. Think about it first before you say it. I am. Think about it first. That's discipline. Penalties are discipline. Yeah. I'm not saying I know what coach says publicly and I know what he says privately because I've had this conversation with him. We went to the hall together in 2011. Yes, sir. me and that man talked up until probably he got to Colorado. We would talk sometimes two, three times a week. Mm-hmm. So I, I know what he's trying to get done. But right now, Colorado is a very undisciplined football team. And it's hard to overcome those type of mistakes. Mm-hmm. It's hard. You've got to get out of your own way. And right mm-hmm. now, they're not getting out of their own way. Right. And that's, that's frustrating. Mm-hmm. 29 points? Right. Forget the defense. I don't care about the defense. Because guess what? When they score seven, guess what? They kick the ball off to you. You can right. go back down the field and score also. Mm-hmm. But this, this, they've got to do a better job. They've got to fix that. And, yeah. and 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 coach and coach, coach Prime get up after every press conference and he say penalties, penalties, penalties. Mm-hmm. Now, something is getting lost in translation. Either the message that you're getting is not is not being received, mm-hmm. or how you how you're delivering the message isn't being received but something there's a disconnect somewhere because you can't keep having double digit penalties Mm, 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 so mm. uh Mm. the dion groupies got their marching orders from coach prime criticized the team this was these are authorized hits The, the dion has told them criticize my team because dion is trying to coach his team through the media. And this is part of my problem with Dion. He, he's allowed in all of this outside noise. He, everybody in corporate media has been to the Colorado sidelines, the Colorado locker room, their practice facilities. He's invited from Joy Taylor and Shady McCoy to Skip Bayless, to Shannon Sharp, to Michael Irvin, to Stephen A. Smith, to Molly Karen. Everybody come to, Come to Colorado football games. Come caravan with, with Dion and, and spend some time with Dion. And all of that is a message to the players that all of these outside voices, they really matter. Prime is catering things to them. Prime wants us to listen to them. And you're wondering why it's the most undisciplined team in all of college football? They rank 133 out of 133 FBS football teams in terms of penalties. It's all the outside noise. And now Dion thinks, oh, I'm going to have uh, Stephen A. criticize my son and criticize the team on TV. Dion co-signed this stuff. He, he put out a tweet. He said, you know, Stephen A. Smith's criticism is accurate. Now let's move on. He's pointing his players to the outside voices. This is coaching insanity 
This is coaching malpractice. He's elevating all the outside noise and voices, and he's wondering why the message isn't getting through to his team and why he's got the most undisciplined team in college football. It's right here in front of your face. Your thoughts. That's an interesting theory there, Oliver Blackstone. Uh, but but <laughs> I, I have heard other coaches say, like Bill Parcells, that you coach the team through the media. I know that's a wide-held belief. Uh, I do know this. Uh, I'm sure there's a chorus of Stephen A. Smith and Shannon Sharp. They be cooning. They be selling out. They want the butter biscuits. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that people have now accused them of being tethers. I know the way this goes, judging the way uh, boxing fandom reacts to criticisms of certain fighters. This is interesting. I, I give them credit, though, for at least saying it. Because when they blew that game on Friday night, I remember thinking, what are the Dion groupies going to say? Because, Jason, I don't think it took that much courage to actually state what was said. This team blew a 29-0 lead against maybe the worst team in the Pac-12 at home. I don't know what else could be said, to be honest with you. And there comes a time that even the likes of Stephen A. Smith and Shannon Sharp, who are very, very secure in their position and are expected to stick up for certain things, they even care about their credibility. I mean, they are stating the most obvious things um, in terms of what took place on Friday night. But I, I will say this. I'm actually glad someone finally pointed out just kind of how obnoxious Shador is. Uh, like, Jason, me and you differ on this. I'm actually okay with Dion. I think he's actually said most of the right things. He's acted like a head coach, at least on the surface. I find Shador's behavior as a quarterback to be completely unpalatable in a lot of ways. I... Agree with you there, but if you think Dion hasn't created the environment for Shadour to act that way, I, I'll never forget. I can't oh. remember if it was the TCU game or if it was the second game, the Colorado State game. They showed Dion on the sidelines during the game, helping Shiloh, his other son. Uh, fasten his gold chain back around his neck. In, in, in the history of college and professional football, there has never been a head coach in the middle of a game who's helping a player get his gold chain, get his drip right in the middle of a game. It's never happened. And so I'm just telling you, this guy has... No idea what he's doing as a head coach. He's created an environment. You're wondering why they're, they're selling merch at halftime of the game? <laughs> Everything that Dion is doing is about selling merch. It's about selling sunglasses. It's about selling Coach Prime. It's about 60 Minutes interviews, first take interviews, undisputed interviews. Interviews, interviews, barstool interviews, everybody, everybody gets an interview. He's Oprah Winfrey. He's running a television show, not a football team. And we're wondering why they're the most penalized team. 17 penalties, accepted penalties. They probably got 20 flags in that Stanford game, and that's part of the reason it cost them the game. And we're wondering why? The, 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 
the main thing's not the main thing. And that's on Dion, not Shadur. Well, the, the head coach sets the tone. Well, I don't disagree the with that. The head coach is sitting there in a, in a, with a big gold chain and sunglasses and hoodie on, and, and you're wondering why? The coach is worried about his drip and how he looks, and you're wondering, his son, that's his son that's obviously got someone on the field, bring my, bring my Rolex watch so I can put it on after the game. Dion's allowing that. That, don't blame the kid, blame Dion. Well, look, I, I don't disagree with that, but I think this is where Dion now regrets the whole do you believe now. They win one game against a depleted TCU team. Well, it's not a horrible team, but kind of mediocre. I believe they're four and three. But he but he acted like he won the Super Bowl. So he, he makes a point out of getting Edward and asking, Do you believe now? as if to say, crown me. You are who we thought we were. Uh, turns out, well, here's the thing. When you blow a 29-0 lead, I thought it was very interesting the way he handled himself after the press conference on Friday. I made a point to watch that because I said to myself, Dion, this is what happens when you act like you won the national championship in game number one. You still have 11 other games to go. And I'm not going to lie to you. He's, I thought he actually said most of the right things. I know me and you disagree on that, but... Um, but again, Dion's always, always going to make it about himself. I get it. That's just who he is. We're going to have to live with it. But now the, now the challenge really begins. We're going to see what type of leader Dion is. Cause you look at that PAC 12 gauntlet, Jason, they may not win another game. I don't think they're going to be favored going into any game. The rest of the 2023 season. Cosell. Are, is Dion following you money? Are, are you on the payroll too? No, but are, are, I. Are, are you looking for a trip? Are you looking for a trip to Boulder? I wouldn't go there. I'm I'm, I'm already spoken <laughs> for. But here's the thing, Jason. Me and you, like, you're overly critical. I'm critical. It is what it is. Dion is Dion. I know what I'm getting here. I like. I don't. To me, I look at Dion. I say it's, it's amusing. It's funny. I I don't look. I think this much is clear though. That act as a head coach, even for younger kids, I don't think it's for everybody. I really don't. There was this one exchange he had with Omar Stottmeyer's son. Played at Fresno State, had an NFL career. And I believe him and Dion were teammates in Dallas. And after a touchdown, Stottmeyer was jawing at Dion, and it went back and forth. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is, this is, this is going to be important. And the kid kept jawing. Dion never nipped it in the bud, and I said, that's an issue. I said, but you're right. Maybe he created that atmosphere. But I get the sense that a lot of college players, they want to get their playing time. They want to get their NIL. They want to put their time in and make the NFL. I'm not so sure all of them want to be a part of this three-ring circus every single week. But I'm overly critical. I'm just he just called it a three-ring circus, but I'm overly critical. And you think fine. I'm overly critical of Dion? I think most of America, 99% of the fearless audience thinks that you are overly critical and overexposing Dion. Yes, I do. I think um, I agree with most of what you say with Dion, but there comes a point we just have to realize that's who he is for better or worse. Yes. I, I need you all in the comments right now. We got to put this to a vote. I Am I overly critical of Dion, or am I the only oh. person 
willing to talk about Dion in a completely honest okay. fashion. That so vote is going to vote. That who's? Oh my God! You you are out who of your side mind. Who signed you on, Whitlock or Kim? Oh my Cosell God! or Whitlock? Who's got it right here? Whose team you on? I don't think I've been remotely the only. Re- He's the most talked about thing during the football season, and so I talk about it in an honest way. And 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 uh, can't this believe you just be, sold me out like this, Cosell. This vote will be more lopsided than Reagan Mondale in 1980. This will be a landslide. I will win 49 of the 50 states across America. Okay? Uh, Are you kidding? I I agree with much of what you say about Dion, but there comes a point, it's like, this is who he is. He's not a conventional, traditional coach. I personally don't know if it's going to work. I don't think it is, because he's not going to be around a lot. But my God, I mean... It is what it is. Let, That's let, who Coach. Let Prime me ask is. this question then. Let, let me ask you. Let me ask you this question then. I just, I just want to check and see where you're at <laughs> on on me. So I'm going to ask a different. Are you someone to think I'm I'm overly critical of LeBron James? No, but we don't talk about him every day either. It's uh, not NBA season, right? And I hope we never talk about the NBA every day because then we would bore <laughs> most of our audience. <laughs> You want to lose most of your audience? No comment section. Talk NBA every day starting in uh, mid-November. Try it. See what that does to our ratings. Yeah, did you, you agree? See, did you, you agree? You what did? What? Cosell, what did I talk about yesterday? You talked about that situation. I think it was Megyn Kelly or, or oh no, the the the, the bundle, yeah. the bundle. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, Israel and Hamas and all. You know, I, maybe I made a passing comment to Dion, but about that. But you know, if you go back to Friday, this whole narrative that I talk about Dion every day just isn't true. We're not to do the. I have to go through and have Hadley or someone tell me. There was a time where two or three times a week I talked to the show was about Dion at the start of the season, but now I probably talk about Dion once, twice a week. You literally uh, called it at the beginning of this segment. Our daily dose of Dion, which, by the way, <laughs> see, now here's the thing. I don't even mind that. But to me, I don't expect Dion to be perfect. We are all imperfect, okay? I accept what Dion is. I know what this is, okay? It is a novelty act. I don't know if it has staying power, but I'm curious. But I still agree with much of what you say, but I'm telling you, Dion has his own methods. I'm curious to see how it plays out. Uh, hop in the comments on YouTube. Whose team you on, Whitlock or Cosell? Do I talk Dion too much? If you're listening on <laughs> Apple, leave that in the reviews. Do, I, do we talk about Dion too much? I, I've, I've tried to explain to you why Dion's important, why I talk about him. It's a way, great way to look at idolatry and how it plays out. But it... You guys be the judge. Send me emails, fearlessblazeshow at gmail.com. I, I cannot wait to hear from you all on this. Uh, and also, make sure you're spamming me with those five-star reviews on uh, Apple. Seriously, because we got spammed the other direction. They reduced our rating from a 4.9 to a 4.8, 4.8, and I want it back. Uh, do all that. Also, uh, if you like this content, 
you need to support one of our great sponsors like Bank on Yourself. If you want to grow your retirement nest egg without government interference, go to bankonyourself.com slash fearless. That's bankonyourself.com slash fearless. Uh, Steve, I'm not done with you. There's some other things I want to talk about. Uh, Caleb Williams. <laughs> He's going the... Let me see if I can bring Dion into this. He's going the Dion approach and overplaying his hand. There's rumors that Caleb Williams wants an ownership stake in whatever team that drafts him. This, this rumor even being out there, I, I hope it's not true, but it, being a, it smells like Josh Rosen talking about the nine teams that didn't draft me all made a mistake. Woo! This kid's putting a lot of pressure on himself or his agent or, or someone's trying to damage this kid. I don't know what's going on here, but what do you think of Caleb Williams allegedly wanting an ownership stake in whatever team drafts him? Well, first of all, I hope it's just a rumor. But you know the only thing he needs to own, Jason, is that first-half performance at South Bend. I mean, you want to talk about the worst timing in the world for this to come out. By the way, uh, you're an employee. You're going to be a well-paid employee. Take that money you're going to make and start your own businesses. Um, I don't get to work at a factory or any other car dealership or any type of business and then tell the owner, you know what, though? I'm working hard. I'm doing pretty good this month. I want partial credit or stake in the company. It, it doesn't work that way. Give me a break. This is all part of that player empowerment thing. But if Caleb Williams, if, let's say this is true. And he insisted that whoever I play for, okay, has to give me a piece of the pie. If I'm the NFL, I don't care if you want to call it collusion or blackballing, I would say, Caleb, see you in Edmonton or Saskatchewan. Try that in the Canadian Football League. <laughs> Bottom line, I'd say, you know what, next, next. And I would dial up Drake May. Drake, do you just want to take a few Tens of millions of dollars, but you don't want any stake. Or Michael Penix, you good? Okay, come on down. I'm sorry. I don't even play this game. It's over. I, I agree with you that the painted fingernails were enough for me. Uh, the questionable deep ball was enough for me. Uh, he's not having – I don't think he's one of the top five Heisman candidates right now. He's not having a great season this year. Some of the shine is coming off Caleb Williams, but he's making a bunch of NIL money. That's another thing that would scare me if I'm an NFL team. It's like, oh, once the guy starts making real money, his play has slipped. And now he and his agent are talking about uh, leveraging the team for ownership. That, that's a big, these are all red flags to me that, that say stay away. And, you know, sounds like baby Kyler Murray, and I wouldn't want to be making that mistake if I was an NFL team. Uh, I'm a little bit afraid of Caleb Williams. The shine has come off of uh, USC's uh, Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, Steve, uh, did you see the L.A. Chargers fan? Mm. Why can't I think of her name? But she went viral, little Asian woman. Maybe her name's Amber or whatever. Anyway, she, she, do, do we have it? Yeah, there she is, celebrating everything. And uh, what's funny is, I don't know if we have this picture, uh, I think they're saying she hit the transfer portal. That yeah. she originally was a Minnesota Vikings fan, uh, <laughs> and now she's all in on the L.A. Chargers, and, and they kept showcasing her on Monday Night Football. 
Then she ends up on the Pat McAfee show on ESPN. Uh, is this is this legitimate or are you buying a conspiracy? This is a this is a Asian version of Taylor Swift. Another way to try to draw female football fans into the NFL. Well, first of all, I want to clear up a couple rumors on my end. Uh, we're not related, uh, but that, that, that yeah, you know, I'm watching that game. <laughs> And I'm looking at this crouching tiger charger fan, shout out to Auk Nation. I'm thinking, wow, she is really excited. And I'm thinking to myself, poor woman, being a charger fan, you're going to be let down. Can we be honest about something? Justin Herbert is the anti-Jerry West. He's Mr. Unclutch. And I'm thinking to myself, that lady might commit suicide. Uh, until you fire Staley and get him a coach that can lead him to close victories, that lady may offer herself. She seems hyper-emotional. But, yeah, I, I guess Matt Leinert, of all people, yes, the Heisman Trophy winner, has cleared it up and vouched for her story that she's actually a transplanted Minnesotan who moved to the OC, who just decided to also become a Charger fan. So she has split loyalties. I accept it. I, I Yeah, right there. Wow. <laughs> You got Kirk Cousins on one She hit one the transfer side. portal. Yeah. She did, but think about your two quarterbacks, your two situations. You got Kirk Cousins and you got Brandon Staley. There has to be some frustrated Sundays. But if you're a Charger, if you're the L.A. Chargers, you don't care because there's almost no fan support for either franchise, to be honest with you, them or the Rams. Uh, Jason, from 1995 – to 2016, we did not have NFL football here in our city. And you know what's funny? Our city moved on. It was not a death sentence. We all kind of went on with our lives. We watched a lot of other football games from out of market. We developed loyalties. So what is happening in L.A. does not surprise me because there is no brand loyalty. I mean, for the Rams and the Chargers, I find this fascinating. I don't think we have a true home field advantage at SoFi Stadium. Every game is like this great trip to the West Coast, and the Raiders are going through it really a lot in Las Vegas. They're essentially playing almost 17 road games because I, I've watched some of these games when they're on, when I'm off the red zone, and I'm watching like the Rams, except when the Cardinals play, right? But the opposite team or the opposing team will make a first down, and you hear this cheer, and I'm like, wow, they're on the road. They're at home, but they're on the road. So God God bless that young lady. Uh, I, I would try to find another team because life is too short. Good grief. Steve, I want to move on to a, a trend that I think is happening in the NFL. Uh, there seems to be all these fights that are happening among fans, and I can't figure out if if this is real or if it's a deal where – Social media just puts it in front of our faces, and so we feel like it's real. But, man, there was a – do we have the video of the melee, I think, at the Chargers game? I mean, it, it almost looked like a comedy routine. Or, like, is like, is this real? This is what they're doing at, at Chargers games? And, and I think there's been a pretty big fight at a Bears game this year. And so I can't make sense of it. Is it just – we have cell phones now, and so we see this stuff. Or was this always going on at football games, and now we act like it's out of control? Because I've seen Mike Florio and other people, I think, tweet about this and 
say the NFL needs to get involved and do something about all these incidents going on with fans. What's your take? Well, I think all of that is true. It's always gone on. Um, now it is heightened by the reach of social media and camera phones. Uh, the Niner games, I never knew how violent the Niner games are. I, re- I read about the, the situation at Levi Stadium a few years ago, and I was stunned. I mean, I, I always thought of the Niners as like kind of a wine and cheese crowd in the Bay Area, but um, that Red Army throws down. Now, as for what happened on Monday night between the Chargers and the Cowboys fans with all those hombritos, uh, well, that, what a shame. Anytime I see Mexicans throw down, I think of Marco Antonio Barrera, Eric Morales, Juan Manuel Marquez, Saul Canelo Alvarez. What an insult to Mexican fighters. You, all of you Jesuses and Jose's and Lupe, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. My God. Go, go to a local gym, hit a heavy bag, and come back in November, and I better see better form on those right hands and left hooks. That's all I'm going to say. Shameful. Shameful. I, 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 the, the name of your high school is escaping me right now, but are your boys? LA. Yes. Montebello, Montebello, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Are, are your boys at Montebello, are they good with you throwing them under a bus the way you just did? What are you talking about? They're, they, they feel the same way I do. Okay. They, they, uh, let me, I'll just say this. In East LA, our home burritos know how to like hook off a jab, you know, double a jab. That is embarrassing. So it's bad enough getting into a fight. That's kind of bad. But Jason, on a serious note, there needs to be some rules and legislation or laws put in by the National Football League. You'd have to get all 32 teams together and say, look, if anyone assaults another person or gets into a skirmish, we need to go and prosecute them to the highest extent of the law. We literally had someone die this year at New England. Okay, a lifelong Patriot fan who got hit, he got struck and he died. So when people say, well, what are they waiting for someone to die? That has already happened. And it kind of reminds me, um, the old veteran stadium in Philadelphia, Jason, this shows you how rabid the Philadelphia fans are. I remember they used to have a courtroom inside the stadium. Remember that, Jason, in the bowels of the stadium, they would actually have a court. So a fight would break out. A guy would get drunk. They would literally process you right there, and there'd be a Judge Wapner saying, okay, all right, two months probation, boom, time served. We need Maybe every single NFL stadium needs to have its own courtroom and a holding cell and a, and a, and a, and a deputy Bar- Barney Fife. We got to calm this down. Come on. Jeez. Bad behavior. Bad behavior. I, I don't remember that about Philadelphia, but it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, finally, Steve, because you're a huge Hard Knocks fan, mm. maybe you can explain to me what's going on with the New York Jets in the sense that it's great that they're 3-3 three and three without Aaron Rodgers. There's a ray of hope there. But it's almost like the Jets are, even without Aaron Rodgers, they're still the actual story of this football season. They're drawing huge television ratings. It seems like Zach Wilson has turned into this great underdog story, and people are rooting for him, and and people are rooting for the Jets. I know you've been following this since Hard Knocks. How do you explain the fanfare and the interest and the attention that the Jets have kind of become America's team? I wouldn't say they're America's team, though. That's a little hyperbolic. There's some interest in there. 
because there was a great buildup because of Aaron Rodgers. And now that Aaron Rodgers is kind of trotting onto the field and tossing around the Wilson leather, there's hope. Like, wait a minute. Hold on. If the Zach kid can just get us, get us to 500 by early December, miracle of miracles, Aaron Rodgers gets touched by Benny Hinn, and all of a sudden, oh, God, he's back. But I, I don't get the sense that he's this great underdog story that's become America's quarterback. I really don't. He's He's a young kid that is probably a likable teammate, and I think that's important, who has probably mended his ways in terms of work ethic, and maybe he's won over the locker room. And on his national primetime slot, I thought he played pretty well against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. They probably may have actually outplayed him. So he's giving them a glimmer of hope that maybe this season can still be salvaged. But I don't know. When I think of America's team, if you look at the television ratings, it's still pretty much like the Cowboys and the other teams that you think of. But they're an interesting story. But Zach Wilson is nothing more than a placeholder, hopefully, for the return of A-Rod. Maybe it speaks to that it's not really that interesting of an NFL season. That... Mm -hmm. Even without Aaron Rodgers, the Jets are still interesting because no one else is all that interesting. No one really believes in the Cowboys. Everybody's given up on Dak Prescott. I don't – what are the other major storylines? The quarterbacks aren't playing all that well. There's no running back, wide receiver, or quarterback that's like on pace to break any kind of record or do anything. Tyree Kill? Huh? I I disagree. The Dolphins are a track meet. Now, when the weather gets colder and teams get more physical, maybe that changes. But the Dolphins are a good watch. Now, you brought up hard knocks. I wonder if people – I wonder if the NFL is – because you're right. Tyreek Hill probably is the story of this football season. I wonder if the NFL is afraid to go all in on Tyreek because of his – off-field issues. Yes, I, I think that is a part of it. But you bring up hard knocks. I tell you the team that I think is going to capture the imagination of America, and I'm going to bring them up again, Detroit Lions. I, I, this is a, a terrible franchise for 50, 60 years, but they're fun. And they have this fiery head coach that is kind of like he's the anti modern-day football coach. In other words, he actually, I don't know, looked like he played football. He's not a slave to analytics. He's a fired up. He still looks like he could play, right? They don't have a star. Who's their superstar? Who's their must-see TV guy? They may not have, but what a team. What a team that they have put together, and now that Jamison Williams is back on the outside, who's going to stretch defenses and take the top off. Jason, I said this earlier to Coach JB and Smitty. The Lions, in my view, are going to win at least 12 to 13 games. I think they're that good. Barring injuries, if they can get some running backs healthy and get Jameer Gibbs back, this team is a real threat. I'll say it again. I might regret it, but if they stay relatively healthy, this team with their storyline, their style of play, they could become one of the big storylines of the National Football League. So the more I talk about this and think about it, and, and I'm not saying this to be funny or cl- even cliche, but it's like Taylor Swift and this Chargers fan, oh, God. They, 
They've been the biggest. They've been the biggest stories in the NFL this year. Yeah, I, I mean, guess. seriously. Yeah, I mean, look, it's Taylor Swift can go to a National Hockey League game, and, and then you know she'd be the biggest story. And I, I get it; she's beyond football. She transcends sports. I think there are a few other storylines. I always think the Cowboys will be compelling because there's expectations and a Super Bowl or bust. Can Jerry Jones win one more Lombardi? The continued development of Brock Purdy, he's going to be so analyzed because there's a great debate. Is he purely about the system? Can he play without a supporting cast? And can he actually win you a game? Because every week on these shows, including ours, we're going to consistently talk about Brock Purdy. How did he do this week? Now, we may not talk about him as much as a certain football coach in Boulder, Colorado. But again, we're going to be talking about Brock Purdy more than once or twice. I think there's some other interesting storylines out there, actually. Well, look, the the, the other storyline isn't getting the level of attention maybe it should, or maybe I'm just not paying attention to the fall of Bill Belichick and the Patriots. No, no one could could see that. And then the other thing, the story that the mainstream media, I think, seems to be ignoring is just the collapse of offensive football in the National Football League. That should be a story. But this is a deal where the leagues and the TV networks and the media outlets, they're so in bed together that they avoid the negative stories. When people thought there was a problem in the NBA with uh, they're not scoring enough points. It's too de- the media talked about it and would cover it. The, the NFL is having that issue, and only the podcast world is talking about it. This I don't is ESPN covering this? Uh, I haven't seen it. Yeah, well, I don't watch a lot of ESPN to be honest. But Jason, when you <laughs> going into this Sunday, I'll be looking out for this. I should be home from Miami by then, but. Going into the fourth quarter of those early games, all right, or even the other ones, see how many games are into their 20s in the fourth quarter. So you have the halftime and you have the third quarter. So you're three quarters of the way done. Watch how many teams are actually in the 20s in terms of points. I think there's a particular trend, and it's not going to stop anytime soon. They'll all be in the teens. They won't be in the 20s. All right, Steve, I'm done with you. Uh, enjoy Miami. That's, that's the last time we'll see Steve this week. He's headed to the U to see a disappointing mm. Miami team probably yeah. get clobbered by Clemson. Uh, yeah. Good luck with that. All right, <laughs> see you next time, Steve. See you next week. Uh, that's it for us. Uh, play some tomorrow, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my system, no relation. We all just wanna have freedom. Sitting on a corner, never been alone. I'm breaking my back for freedom. Bless, we are living, get back. We are receiving, all receiving. We all wanna be free. We want freedom. I just want, I wanna be, I just want